Welcome to This is Democracy on the Road. Discussions and interactions across the world. This summer, we're going to take our discussions uh, far away from Austin, Texas, as we meet with and talk to uh, exciting people uh, around the world. Hello and welcome to this new episode of This is Democracy. Today we are in Guernica, Spain, a historic center of Basque culture and history, to discuss the 1937 bombing of this city and its legacies. I'm Zachary Suri, and I'm sitting here now with Professor Jeremy Suri. Good morning, Zachary Suri. And Natalie Suri. Good morning, everyone. Jeremy, what happened in Guernica on April 26, 1937, and what made that event so historically significant that we would trek out here to this day? So uh, on that terrible day, April 26, 1937, uh, German and Italian aircraft uh, in support of the fascist coup and the fascist regime of General Franco in Spain, uh, those aircraft dropped bombs uh, on this uh, wonderful city of Guernica, which had been a historical home for Basque culture and Basque society. This was a bombing intentionally targeted at civilians. The goal of uh, General Franco and his regional commander, General Molo, was to break the will and morale of Basque citizens who were resisting uh, fascist efforts to steal power in Spain. And um, this is a really uh, horrible day in history because uh, more than a thousand citizens, innocent civilians of this town were killed. Uh, 85% of the buildings in this town were destroyed, and the fires created by the incendiary bombs burned for about three days. Uh, this was not the first time that bombs were used against civilians, but it was the first time that there was an organized military effort to kill civilians in Europe uh, in this way, and it became the first of many civilian bombings that we would see uh, thereafter. Uh, it was also a terrible day uh, because um, it was the beginnings of the end of uh, Basque resistance and other forms of democratic resistance to fascism in Spain. And why did the fascists see an opening, a time that they could do this, and why do they see it as something they should do? Uh, the fascists believed that um, they could use military technology and that they could use the force of will. This is at the core of fascist ideology, racial superiority and force of will. That they could use their military power and force of will to destroy uh, all resistance. And they also believed at this time that there would be few repercussions. The Basque resistance forces did not have an air force of their own. The Spanish Republican forces did not have a major uh, air force of their own. And so the fascist forces were taking advantage of the weakness and the lack of support for democratic forces. But also, uh, right, fascist groups uh, in Germany uh, under Hitler and in Italy under Mussolini saw this as a way to test the new style of war that they were developing, like Blitzkrieg for the yes, Nazis. Yes, yes. Uh, many historians have written that this was uh, a first step, a test case in Blitzkrieg. Some have argued also that um, uh, the Italian campaign in Ethiopia and uh, other efforts uh, by the fascist forces before this were also early steps. But you could argue this was the first time air power was used in a way that would become quite common during World War II. 
This really highlights a point we like to make often on This Is Democracy, and that is that all the things that happen today happen because of a historical reason. And they happen because something happened a long time ago that created the climate in which this became acceptable. That's right. There are historical moments that resonate decades and decades after. And, and the bombing of Guernica is one of those walking the streets as we did. Uh, one feels um, that the old world was destroyed and the new world was created here. So how did the world, the, uh, the democratic free world that we like to think of in the 1920s, how did the, the, the democratic world learn about the bombing of Guernica and what was their reaction? So uh, immediately after the bombing, the fascist forces in Spain, in Italy, and in Germany denied that it ever happened. And uh, they blamed um, the Basques for burning their own city. They claimed that the Basques had burned their own city uh, and tried to blame the fascists for it. And, and within three days, fascist forces were occupying uh, Guernica and preventing any news from getting out. So uh, we like to think fake news is something new today, propaganda is new today. This was being used at the time by fascist forces in 1937. Uh, people found out about the bombing, including uh, Pablo Picasso, who we'll talk about soon. Uh, people found out about the bombing, particularly in France, because France is close to the border. And they found out about the bombing by word of mouth, uh, people who witnessed it. Uh, people who knew people who lived in, ba in, in um, Guernica and the surrounding countryside, the news traveled by word of mouth. And this is an important lesson. Uh, propaganda is as old as anything, uh, but the truth does win out because uh, people do get their news from word of mouth and others. And um, the story uh, of this tragedy was so compelling it became very hard to deny. It did take a while, though, for people to learn about it. And thanks also to the brave efforts of journalists um, in the area who happened to be covering the Spanish Civil War. And luckily, many of them were able to get out to Guernica soon after the bombing. And uh, Natalie is going to read for us a passage from one of these journalists. This passage comes from an article published in The Times that was written by journalist George Lowther Steer, who was a witness because he visited Guernica shortly after all the bombings. The raid on Guernica is unparalleled in military history. Guernica was not a military objective. The fact factory producing more material lay outside the town and was untouched. So were two barracks some distance from the town. The town lay far behind the lines. The object of the bombardment was seemingly the demoralization of the civil population and the destruction of the cradle of the Basque race. Every fact bears out this apprehension. So Natalie, this is a very fascinating passage, uh, uh, one that we still read 85 years later. What do you find so compelling about this passage? The first thing about this passage that stuck out to me was that it brought light the magnitude of the human losses and how easy that was to lie about. As well as that, it also shined light on the fact that Guernica wasn't even a military base, so it seemed as though the attack, part of the main focus of the attack was just to hurt the people, and the fact that the Germans didn't take into account the people that they were hurting is just really sad because, yeah, lives matter. Yes, and I think that's a really important point to make here, um, and that is that human life is often uh, forgotten about when it comes to uh, the military machinations of war, but it's, it is one of the most important factors 
during war. And that is what makes wars like World War II still part of our nation's consciousness 75 years later. Absolutely. I mean, the lives lost uh, resonate into the future and and the stories they have to tell. Uh, walking the streets in, in Guernica, you see the buildings, you feel the ghosts, and then the, the wonderful museum they have here tells many of the stories of families and, and children. Uh, and, and I think what Natalie said is very powerful about how the individual stories uh, instruct us many, many decades later. And just the images of of Nazi and Italian uh, fighter planes coming down and machine gutting citizens who are trying to escape from the bombs is is something that has resonated with us and resonated with people like Pablo Picasso for generations. So how more specifically, Jeremy, did Picasso react to the bombing of Guernica? And why was his reaction so important? So Picasso's most famous painting, uh, probably the most famous painting of the 20th century, is a depiction of the bombing of Guernica. Uh, The painting is called Guernica. Picasso had already been commissioned uh, to paint uh, uh, something uh, resonant with Spain at the International Exposition that was going to occur in Paris at about the same time. He had begun a prior painting, but then uh, on learning by word of mouth and through journalists, uh, through accounts like the one Natalie read, learning of the bombing of Guernica and this horrible fascist brutality in his home country, uh, Picasso shifted gears and uh, made this extraordinary uh, painting, this huge painting, depiction, depicting the suffering uh, of faces and bodies and the symbolism of this horrible, horrible attack. And uh, this painting became an international sensation. Uh, Picasso said he made the painting not to tell people what to do, but to capture what happened and for people to see in it what would resonate most with them. Uh, it's a painting that is somewhat abstract, Though it's clear there's suffering faces in it, it looks to me as if their bodies under rubble. Uh, but the painting is designed for each of us to see, experience, feel, and think about the suffering of war and the brutality of aerial bombardment. And I think this really, uh, this really highlights a point we make very often here on This Is Democracy, and that is that stories, compelling stories about real humans and real people can destroy the ideas of fascism and evil and the lies of those who try and use death and killing for their own gain. Yes, the power of democracy, as Picasso shows us um, now, 80 years later, we're talking about his painting. We remember him much more than we remember Francisco Franco. Uh, Picasso shows us the power of narrative and the power of the arts to uh, reinforce democracy. So how more um, militarily did the bombing of Guernica influence how future wars were fought? So the bombing of Guernica, unfortunately, as almost every military historian will write, uh, opens the door, is a first step uh, toward the more frequent use of air power against civilians in the 20th and 21st century. During World War II, all the combatants do this, fascist, allied, and others. You can think of the Nazi bombing of uh, Coventry, the American bombing of Dresden and Tokyo. You can think of the uh, atomic bombings in this context. And then thereafter, air power becomes in some ways the weapon of choice for large, uh, powerful countries uh, trying to exert control over faraway territories. The United States and Soviet Union both use air power during the Cold War, but so do other countries like Israel, Saudi Arabia, 
uh, and, and other countries of that sort. So um, this is the beginning of the targeting of civilians, and you could argue that the argument that the, the the action taken by the fascists in Guernica was the first step toward uh, September 11th, 2001. Uh, the uh, attackers uh, and terrorists who attacked the United States in 2001 made the same argument that the fascists made, which was that all civilians who were associated with the enemy were part of the enemy and therefore fair game for attack. And that was the justification for and the use of military power to kill civilians in Guernica as it was the terrible justification uh, given by Osama bin Laden for attacking the Twin Towers uh, and Washington, D.C. and Pennsylvania in 2001. But also, uh, if, if I'm correct, the bombing of Guernica led us to the point where um, countries, uh, including and the United States, were willing to use air power to drop bombs and kill civilians far away in a way that seemed painless to to us, but created large amounts of suffering on the ground. Yeah, as, as many historians have written, it, uh, aerial bombardment becomes a terrible and a uh, dangerous temptation. For countries like the United States, it's a way of exerting power far away with little cost to American civilians and little risk to American soldiers. And we have to own this. Even though our aims have often been very different from the aims of fascists or terrorists, the United States has been a perpetrator of aerial bombardment against civilians throughout the last 80 years since Guernica, uh, particularly in places like Vietnam and Iraq. And uh, we need to own the consequences of that. People around the world uh, often react to that in ways uh, that reflect uh, opposition and anger. And we need to recognize why. Guernica is the first step toward the overuse, even by the United States, of air power in the 20th and 21st century. And, and perhaps talking about this and studying this will lead us to be uh, a little more careful in the ways we use air power. Certainly. And I think that uh, this highlights how important it is for us to study history, to study where our current military and political uh, objectives come from. Why are we still bombing civilians 85 years later? Uh, and I think that that's really something that um, needs to be emphasized more in, in our society that's going through so much upheaval. And that is that we need to study history and we need to take from history, lessons that will help us move forward into a better future. So speaking more to those lessons, Jeremy, what do you think the bombing of Guernica and Picasso's haunting painting teach us about democracy? I think there are a lot of lessons that come from uh, visiting Guernica, reading about this history, and most importantly, observing Picasso's painting, which I show students and people all the time, I show it when I give uh, lectures on leadership and storytelling and the importance of uh, telling people a story. Um, the lessons I would highlight are two. First, I think uh, air power um, produces terrible suffering, but it does not produce the political outcomes we want. Uh, there's a long line of historical scholarship going back to Michael Sherry uh, and many others on this, Richard Overy. Uh, making the case that air power kills a lot of people, but it, it only stiffens resistance and it leads to more fighting, not less. Uh, we should not overuse air power, particularly in the United States. Second lesson um, is that, uh, and this is the positive lesson, that human stories went out over bombs. Here we are, 85 years later, talking about Guernica. Uh, the stories of human beings. Uh, and the stories of their experiences and the arguments they make for their humanity 
win out over the bombs in the long run. And Picasso proves that to us. His painting is one of the most seen and commented upon images of the 20th century. It has uh, kept alive the story of humanity in the face of this horrible fascist brutality. Democracy wins, democracy thrives, because human stories are more powerful than bombs and more powerful than lies. Yes, and what Guernica shows us is not only the evils that humans are capable of, but also the immense human cost of war and the importance for all of us of sane, decent leadership. After all, to paraphrase Paul Simon, you cannot walk with the holy if you're only a halfway decent man. I don't pretend to be a mastermind with no genius marketing plan. And that's why this is democracy. This is this is democracy signing off from Guernica. Adios and Esquericasco. That's Basque for thank you. This podcast is produced by the Liberal Arts Development Studio and the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. The music in this episode was written and recorded by Harrison Lemke, and you can find his music at harrisonlemke.com. Subscribe and stay tuned for a new episode every Thursday featuring new perspectives on democracy.